the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Time once again for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, right here on AM 990 and FM 101.5. The word in Orlando, Jeff Sennis, he's our engineer. Andrew Herdliska produces the show. Rick Hamlin is my first guest, longtime editor at Guidepost Magazine. We're going to talk about his new book, Even Silence is Praise, Quiet Your Mind and Awaken Your Soul with Christian Meditation. Rick. Welcome to Orlando. How are you? Thank you. Lovely, lovely to be in Orlando by by proxy. This this distant uh, distant uh, place. Rick, tell me about your new book. How did it come about? Uh, even silence is praise. I'm, I'm really writing about trying to get silence so we can hear God. And and uh, you know, meditation is popular these days, but there's this. Christian practice that we sometimes forget because we're so busy making noise and there's so much noise in our head. How can we connect to God by getting silent? You open your book with a chapter. It's a question, actually. Meditation in church? Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah, meditation in church. I mean, you know, sometimes I think we we get a little nervous about having any silence in church. We've got, got to fill the time, got to fill the space. But there's enormous power when a faith community, when a group of us followers of Jesus, get quiet so we can hear the Lord. I often think of something my mom used to say. I was one of four kids, noisy kids. She'd say, you got to listen to me. Get quiet so you can listen to me. Second topic I want you to talk about. Pick a time and a place. Tell us more. Yeah, I think for any prayer practice, you need to have not just a regular time that you connect to God, but also a regular place, because that place, whether it's a sofa, you're sitting on your side of your bed, or for, for many years for me, it was a subway train ride, but that place will remind you, ha, ah, yeah, I'm here, I'm listening, Lord, I'm connecting to you. You, you check in there and check out. So a time and a place. Even if you can only do it for five minutes a day, it'll be your sacred time. Meditate on the Word, you tell us. Oh, there's a wonderful ancient practice, and it goes back, I think, to the 12th century, something called uh, Lectio Divina, a divine reading. So, you know, you can take, you know, we, we spend so much time reading the Bible, but you might do just a small passage, uh, and and you... Use that as a focus of your prayers. You 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 read it, you pray it, you meditate on it, and then you go into a, a state of, of contemplative prayer. Listen to your anger. What's that mean? Well, sometimes, you know, when we, we don't want to get silent, be silent because we don't want to hear what's going on inside. Ooh, I'm so angry at my boss. Or, ooh, why did my wife say that? Or, oh, why do the kids do that these days? What, what is it? You know, we don't want to live in anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. But the only way you can do that is you've got to acknowledge it. And so sometimes in silence, something you're angry about will come up. This is your chance to share it with God and then let it go. Hear the worries. Explain uh, that the, Explain that one yeah. to us, Rick. Yeah, the worries are also there. Remember how 
Jesus said, you know, consider the, the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, you know. But 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 so what do we do with those worries? They're they're you know in my head. I'll, I'll, I'm oh this is my holy time with God. And what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about you know the check I have to write and you know a bill I need to pay and a conversation I need to have and an email I need to send. You know, and they can crank up into sort of a state of anxiety, which is not a state where we can feel the Lord's presence. So once again, you hear the worry, and then you let it go. You catch and release, because God knows there is no need for us to worry. God's got it all. That's helpful advice. Just try praying, and you'll be doing it. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I, you know, Rick Hamlin quoting himself now. I think it, it, it dawned on me several years ago that prayer is the only thing I can think of where trying to do it is doing it. Sometimes we think, oh, I try, you know, I, I try to get silent and, and kind of, you know, meditate, contemplate God's goodness, and, and my, my head is so filled with noise. But you're trying. That's good enough. I mean, we use that phrase, the practice of prayer. It is a practice. It's, we're all practicing. It's a school for amateurs. You cannot fail. How do you go about your prayer life, Rick? Uh, you know, as as, the, as Paul told us, we must pray without ceasing. But for me to be able to do that, I need to change in first thing in the, in the day. I, you know, I, I sit here and I close my eyes and I look for and, and listen. And gosh, this morning I, I, I felt, you know how Jesus promised a peace which passes understanding. I could feel that. It was right there. It was right here. You know, and... and this is not an exotic place. It's not a glorious church building. It's just, like I say, the lumpy sofa in the TV room. But it's, it's my place. And when you go back to that place again and again, I, God is there. God is waiting to be with us. He wants to be with us. Rick Hamlin is with us. The book, Even Silences Praise. Uh Chapter 7 is called Focus on Death. Uh, where, where does that fit in this book? Who wants to think about death? Uh, but, you know, you think about it in our culture, we, we kind of avoid any, any references to death. We, we kind of try to keep it out. But, you know, we're, we're mortal. We're, that's part of what life is. And life is more precious when you know how precious this time is. You, you can give yourself to the moment. So sometimes when you're sitting there in, in prayer, you know, the, your sense of mortality comes up. Well, how can you know the Lord's immortality, that promise of, of eternal life, without acknowledging that fear? And it can be a fear. But you don't have to live in fear. You can live in love. Do you fear death? Oh, of course I do. And, and, then I, and then I embrace it and think, you know, whenever it happens, God will be right there. Uh, not long ago, my mom, my beloved mom at the age of 93, she was in the hospital only for three days. And, and that last day, the family all gathered around. And I, I thought, oh, my goodness, she's going to go on for weeks, months. But after we gathered around and we read her favorite Bible verse and, and sang, she turned to me and said, I'm going to be in the Lord's house soon. And it turned out to be true. Only several hours later, I'm going to be in the Lord's house soon. And that's the promise that we all need to keep, keep in our hearts. Rick, uh, the next topic for you Look at the images in your head. What does that mean? You're gonna to have to explain that. Yeah. Well, sometimes you know when you when you close your eyes, you know you can you can see some you know images, and I'm more likely to see images than than words or you know 
scriptural, you know, and and you can use those in prayer. You know, you can, in fact, you can give yourself an image to focus on. I mean, the Creator gave us the sun. The Creator gave us trees. You can focus on a tree and use that as, as a way to, to, to keep your prayers and your, your prayer life coming back to the Creator who created it all. I, I feel like there's sometimes like a movie going on in my head, but the still life, the still life of the moment, focusing on something that is part of God's world. Put away your phone every now and then, you say. Yeah. Yeah, isn't this amazing? You know, who would have guessed how phones can rule our lives? I mean, I realize, oh, this is crazy. Instead of, you know, looking out the window, opening up, putting my hand out, you know, to see what the weather might be, I look to see what the phone says, as though the phone is the authority. Why give it the chance to connect with the world? We need to put away our phones. They're constantly interrupting us. Um, you know, the news is always there, and it's yelling, and it's screaming, and it's it's trying to scare us. And, and we need to let them go. I was talking to a great scientist, and, and he says, you know... Here's this, you know, he's, he's in demand all over it, but he puts his phone away for six hours in the morning so he can do his work. He doesn't need it to be interrupted. He can focus on his work. My guest in New York City, Rick Hamlin, longtime editor at Guidepost Magazine. And his book is called Even Silence is Praise, Quiet Your Mind. Awaken your soul with Christian meditation. We got to take a break. When we come back, uh, the first thing I want to ask Rick is about how a good, how hold a good thought for others. And Mm -hmm. then we're going to move on to accept what seems impossible to accept. And then uh, there's another topic I want Rick to expand on when we come back. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. I feel almost feel like singing that. Uh, I'm Pat Williams. It's the Saturday Power Hour, AM 990, FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. And, folks, if I could just slip in a little word here. We're trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. And you can be a big help. We have a website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com. We need to hear from you. Just uh, explain your interest. Like the idea? You want Orlando to be a Major League Baseball city? Uh, That's the ticket, orlandodreamers.com. We're back right after this. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. My guest is Rick Hamlin in New York City. The book, Even Silence is Praise. And Rick, as advertised, um, the next topic I want you to talk about, hold a good thought for others. What does that mean? You know, so much of our prayer life is is about praying for others and and those requests, you know, the the news we've heard about, that, that beloved friend who's in the hospital, those those friends or family members who are going through marital problems, the, the, the person you saw sort of begging for coins, you know, uh, how, do we, how do we address that? And, and I actually use that phrase, hold a good thought, because that was something my father would use, you know, he'd, uh, when he touched base with someone and found out something that they were struggling with, he said, well, let me... I'll be holding a good thought for you. Um, uh, you know, I, praying for those. I know some people who, you know, sort of visualize a healing or visualize a, uh, a, a healed relationship in prayer. But um, also just to emphasize, to feel compassion, to understand, oh, my goodness, what a struggle, the, the loss they might have suffered the financial difficulties they're going through, if I empathize with that 
and feel the compassion, that is the prayer, that compassion, because we're sharing the love and the care with our Lord. Talk to us now about accept what seems impossible to accept. Uh, what, what does that mean? You know, there's some people will say that, you know, God answers prayer by, in three ways. He says yes, no, or maybe. Um, you know, I really do believe that God answers prayer always with yes. It's always yes. And it might not be the yes we expected. And that's where we need God's help to understand, oh, wow, this is a different yes. This is a big yes. But but the yes is there. God is, is filling our hearts with yes. And so that challenge of trying to work our heads and our hearts around what that answer to prayer is that God has given us. And now I want you to talk about that wonderful hymn, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You want to sing the rest Praise of it, Rick? Praise Him, all creatures here below. Yes. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Amen, my friend. I love that one. Praise Father, Son, and Son Holy Ghost. And Holy Ghost. What, what are you writing together? What are you writing about that at the end of your book? Well, you know the, that that word praise, and you know it's um, and that concept. You know, it's, it's right there in the Psalms. It's it's rich in our spiritual language, and it's, it's very present in the Bible. So, praise. And, and you know, when I was younger, it scratched my head, well, why are we supposed to praise God? Is, is He so insecure that, you know, He needs our praise? I mean, the way you're supposed to, you know, praise a fellow employee just to give them a little bit more confidence. You know, praise is not necessarily just for God. It's for us. Because when we look for those things that give us a sense of praise, when we look for the things to be thankful about, we're feeling God right in our lives. So, yeah, that wonderful praise God from whom all blessings flow, that's for us. It's to realize that these blessings we have, they didn't just come from the guy around the corner or or they come around because we're so great. They come around because... God is present in our lives. What do you want, Rick, people to take from this book and this discussion? How, how will their lives be different? Well, I, I mean, my prayer is that, uh, that when I'm sitting here on my lumpy sofa, closing out, to, checking out to check in, that there are people all over the world who are doing the same thing. And we are a community. And we can change the world. That's, I don't write a book just so, oh, you should buy it. Uh, I write a book so we can change the world. Uh, in fact, you know, if, if you read my book and you read a couple pages and then you just put it down and you pray, I, that's good. You don't have to read the whole book. I, what you do in your prayer life is much more exciting to me. So in any way, and I've got a third days of prayer sort of way things, things you can do, if, if in any way I can help you in your prayer life, just the way you can help me in mine, that's what I really love to do. Rick, I'm curious uh, about your time at Guidepost Magazine. Uh, can you tell us the history of that remarkable magazine and what it means even today? Uh, fill us in on that. Uh, what a wonderful uh, magazine organization. Uh, started in 1945 by Norman Vincent Peale, um, and you know it just what a uh, what a mission it was to tell everyday stories and first person stories. They talk about how God made a difference in their lives, some struggle they might have had, some you know some action adventure thing, and so my job there as an editor is to help people tell their stories. Sometimes it was, you know, with a celebrity interviewing Dolly Parton and putting down her story. And, and, and every time we did a story, you know, including celebrities like Dolly Parton, you know, it went back to the celebrities for their changes, their approval. The, the stories are in their words. 
And I think each one of us has stories that we want to share. What a chance to be able to share all those stories. How did you get started there? What's your background, Rick? Where did you grow up and what were your uh, early years like? Tell us about you. Yeah, I grew up in, in California. My, uh, my parents, and I was, grew up in Pasadena and Pasadena area. And, and my father, um, you know, he'd been, a, he'd been in the, the submarine corps uh, in World War II, but he had an incredible prayer life, and we experienced it uh, every evening when he said grace. Um, and, you know, it wasn't a friend of ours used to say, oh, it's the six o'clock news, because whatever he heard on the radio from his commute, it would be right there in the grave, which is a good lesson. Put everything in there. But, you know, what a gift. One of four kids. I heard my father pray for me. He prayed for us. God bless Rick and his piano recital next week. May it go well. God bless Diane with her tennis tournament and her lessons. Uh, you know, God bless us in our schoolwork. So that, that, you know, my prayer life really goes back to growing up with a praying parent and mom helping us, teach, you know, teaching Sunday school. The, all of those things make such a difference. Rick, um, what is the spiritual temperature of New York City? What, 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 what's the situation in, in the faith world, in the Big Apple? Um, you know, it, it, there's, there, are, there are wonderful churches. We've been worshiping in the same church for over 40 years. My wife and I sing in the choir. Um, there is a rich community, and yet, you know, that's not what we think of New York. We think of, you know, the Broadway shows, Times Square, you know, some craziness. But, uh, but you know, you think, uh-oh, subways, isn't that scary? And yet, you know, I was on the subway the other day, and a, a musician, a wonderful musician, was coming by playing the guitar, and I wanted to, to give him a buck, and I took out my, my and I had a $10 bill. I wasn't going to give the whole $10 bill, and I looked at it. And a woman from across the aisle, she said, I got some change. I gave her the 10. She gave me 10 ones, and I was able to give that 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 ten that dollar to the person, you know, and, and I Saturdays I love serving in our soup kitchen and you know connecting with the people who, who do have needs. But you know, God loves the poor. We learned that from Jesus, and and I interact. You interact with that here. You, you interact with it anywhere, but you can't just drive by. Sometimes you see them right there on the street. Mm. Do uh, did people fear? Feel fear in New York? Is the crime scene uh, worse or better than I read in the New York Post every day? Um, you know, one thing I learned about uh, journalism is the way you get people to, to, to keep reading is you got to scare them. Uh, and I'm not that kind of journalist. Um, you know, the subways are, you know, safe. I sit there with my eyes closed. So uh, they, they, they are safe. There's a lot of uh, police around ensuring that. But, um, yeah, of course, there are, there are people with mental illness, and God only knows we need to pray for them. The, um, but uh, uh, I don't have to tell you where I live, but we leave our door unlocked, you know, all day long. So uh, <laughs> uh, that must, it must be okay if we do that. Well, folks, um, Rick Hamlin has been our guest. Uh, make sure you check this book out. Even silence is praise. Quiet your mind and awaken your soul with Christian meditation. I, uh, this is the kind of book that can make a difference in your life. It, it, it's not just uh, words on paper, but uh, it really, really influences you deep at the, the very depth of your life. Folks, we do this show every weekend, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We've been doing it for many, many years and uh, always are so grateful uh, when you decide to, to join in with us. Uh, always grateful when we hear from you. Uh, always grateful when you reach out. And uh, we keep lining up interesting guests for you, uh, all from different aspects of the Christian life. 
And uh, can't thank Rick Hamlin enough. By the way, my latest book is out. It's called Who Coached the Coaches? Uh, a fascinating time, about seven years of talking to coaches and asking them one question. Who was the key person in you becoming a coach? Oh, some interesting answers. I think you'll enjoy it. Who coached the coaches? Well, folks, we'll see you next weekend. Uh, excuse me. We got more. Oh, forgive me. Forgive me. My engineer just waved at me. Uh, Rick Hamlin, our first guest, and uh, we've got more. Stay with us right here on uh, the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Stay right tuned with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Our guest in that first segment was Rick Hamlin. Uh, Wonderful to have him with us. Uh, And now uh, we go uh, across the water. We're heading to England, North London. And we have discovered Amy Boucher Pie there. Uh, Her book is out, Transforming Love, How Friendship with Jesus Changes Us. Amy, welcome to Orlando, Florida. It's so nice to talk to you. Thank you, Pat. I wish I I wish I was there. I would love your sunshine and your probably your good weather. Well, uh, tell me in North London, do you get any sunshine at all? What's it like? Well, yeah, we do, but it's a bit chilly today. So I had to I actually had to wear a coat when I went outside. Not a heavy coat, but yeah, we're a lot cooler than I think Orlando. <laughs> tell me about your book. My book, it is a fresh look at the stories of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in the Gospels, mainly how Jesus' love changes them and how friendship with Jesus changes us. Amy, there are three parts to your book. Uh, Part one, being and doing, the Luke 10 story. And uh, included are these topics, so distracted listening and learning, both, and I want to hear all about this. Okay. Well, yeah, the book is, I divided it into three sections because we have these three gospel stories about these beloved siblings. So in the first one, we look at Luke 10, which is what a lot of people would think about when they think about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But actually, they would probably think, are you a Mary? Are you a Martha? And while I appreciate how people like to kind of characterize um, people as either Mary or Martha, there's just so much more to these women than just the roles of being and doing. But we do see how Martha gets distracted in the kitchen and how Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. Um, And, you know, it's really, the Bible is countercultural because in that day, women could not even touch the scriptures, the Torah. They could only learn about the Bible from um, their husbands or their fathers. So for Mary to sit at the feet of a rabbi was very countercultural, but Jesus welcomed her to do so. So in those three chapters, the first one looks at Martha as a character, the second one really looks at Mary, and then that both and is how God calls us to both have times of action, of, you know, being in the kitchen, but also the beauty of contemplation, of sitting at his feet, of listening and learning and gaining from him, which is the one thing necessary, the one good thing. My guest, Amy Boucher Pie, Transforming Love, the name of her book, Uh, part two, Grieving and Rejoicing. The John 11 story, and here are the topics, Amy, waiting for Jesus, aftermath, at the tomb. Uh, Tell us all about part two. Yes, well, then we move from the Luke 10 story over to the John 11 story, which is the second longest narrative in John's gospel. It's the raising of Lazarus which is interesting because Lazarus is the main character, but 
He never says anything. And the action is all done to him because Jesus is the one who raises him from the dead. So in those chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, we see in chapter 4 that Jesus delays. Now, why does he delay going to the ones that he loves? It says in John 11 that these sisters are those whom Jesus loves. And yet, and so they send word to him, Lord, the one you love is, is not well. You need to come. And he doesn't come for four days. Now, it's really interesting because at that time, there was a belief that when somebody died, the soul kind of just hung around the body. And after four days, it would leave completely. There'd be no chance of them coming back from the dead. So it could be that Jesus delayed so that he would be enacting what he and Martha talked about, that he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, and so in bringing, Je- in bringing Lazarus back from the dead, he is showing that he is the resurrection and the life. So this whole third section really deals with lament, with you know being disappointed when we feel God has failed us, and how Jesus weeps and is angry at death, and yet how he loves these sisters so much, and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Mm. Wouldn't you love to have been there to see that? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would have. And you know what? I learned something really interesting in, in the research of this book. You know, at the tomb, Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And notice how he says Lazarus, because Jesus is the Lord of life. If he had just said, come out, all of the dead would have raised, you know, come to life and come out. And that would have been quite the party, but he does name just Lazarus to come out and to, yeah. Amy Boucher Pie, she's in North London, England, uh, talking about her book, Transforming Love, How Friendship with Jesus Changes Us. Part three, loving and serving. This is the John 12 story. And uh, you talk about the party and liquid love. I want to hear all about this. Okay. Yes, John 12 is not as long as John 11 in terms of the story with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But it is, it is the wonderful story where we see Mary taking a pint of pure nard. Now, nard would have the scent of gladiola, and it was so expensive. It would be basically a working man's wages for a whole year. And what she did at this, she anointed the feet of Jesus at this dinner held in honor of Jesus. This was probably the first time that Jesus was back in Bethany after raising Lazarus. So a lot of the religious leaders wanted to see Lazarus. He was alive. They were, you know, they were now really gunning toward Jesus and wanting to put him on the cross and eliminate him. And, um, and so there was this controversy at the dinner, especially through Judas, who was angry that Mary would, you know, quote-unquote, waste this pure nard um, on anointing Jesus. But Jesus, of course, knows the bigger story, and he knows that she's anointing him before, his, before he dies on the cross, just probably about a week later. So these chapters are very poignant. And, and yet it's this mixture of sorrow and joy of, of, you know, celebrating that Lazarus is alive, that Mary and Martha are not sisters who are consigned to the, you know, as they would say here in, Brit- in Britain, the rubbish dump, but um, the rubbish heap, actually, but that they have been restored to life because their brother has been given back to them because, you know, they would have actually been worse than widows because they, they were not married, um, so they didn't have their husband's family to take care of them. So there's this great celebration, but it, it has this touch of sadness, because Jesus knows that soon he will be pouring out his love for his friends and for us on the cross. Mm. Amy, um, there's a final word uh, the encounter that changes us at the end of the book. Uh, tell me what you're writing there and, and how it uh, impacts us. 
Yes, indeed. Well, that's all about how friendship with Jesus really does change us. And what I've tried to do throughout the whole, the whole book is to say, life with God through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit's empowering, means that we have a moment-by-moment and a day-by-day experience with Jesus. And He will take our sadness and our throwing ourselves at His feet, like Mary did when she was saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And he also receives our celebrations and our love, and he changes us and he makes us more like him. Um, And so that's why throughout all the chapters I have prayer exercises that I give so that hopefully the reader can really engage with these stories, not only with their heads, but with their hearts and with their lives, so that this encounter that changes us is the encounter that we have every day with the God who loves us through His Son, the Lord Jesus. Amy, tell us more about those prayer exercises that you just mentioned. Yes, indeed. Um, I love different ways to pray. In fact, my last book was called Seven Ways to Pray, and I incorporate some of these sometimes ancient practices into the book. So, Like in the first chapter, we just do a way of praying through the Bible— where we pray through the passage about three or four times, asking God through the Holy Spirit to highlight a word or a phrase. And, you know, this really is a way to just say, Lord, I'm here. I want to submit myself to you. I want to learn from your wonderful scriptures. Please bring them alive to me through your Spirit. And so Um, I'm just really keen that people are able to get in touch with God because, you know, God has changed me so much through my friendship with Him. And so that's why I have these different ways of praying with the Bible, um, of lamenting, and different ways so that we, too, can encounter God and be changed by His love. Why do you think it's so confusing for people to have a disciplined prayer life? Well, I think... You know, it, 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 we can get so distracted today, can't we? Especially mm. we all hold these little boxes in our hands, and it's so easy to look down at them and to look at social media or whatever it is. But, you know, when we just slow down and even put our hand on our heart and affirm that Christ lives within us through His Holy Spirit, then God is right there just wanting for us to turn our attention to Him, and He will definitely meet us through, you know, with His love, His affirmation, maybe a word of correction if we need that, a loving correction. But um, it's really easy to get distracted, but the thing is, God is so willing and wanting and waiting for us to come to Him that He runs towards us, arms open wide. My guest is Amy Boucher Pie. Her book, Transforming Love. We have another segment with Amy. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Folks, we are trying to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando, and you can be a big help. Uh, Go up to the website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com, and just check in. Just give us your feelings. Tell us what you're thinking. Uh, If you're supportive of this, boy, it means a lot. We've got to show Major League Baseball that there's tremendous interest here, and uh, yeah, you can play a big part in that. OrlandoDreamers.com. Amy Boucher Pie is in North London, England. She's our guest. Amy, I'm curious about the, uh, uh, the, the, the spiritual temperature in, in, in England. Uh, what, what's it like? What's it like to be a Christian in England, in London particularly? Yes, well, London is hugely multicultural, and our churches over here would probably be a lot, lot smaller than your churches in the States. Um, we have an established church, the Church of England, which means there are, there are churches in every, every village, every town, 
but there's just so much more, I think, apathy. Um, but yet there's great vibrancy, because in London itself, there there's a lot of thriving churches. Um, one thing I really love about living in London is that it, it is so wonderfully multicultural. So we have... Now, uh, pick it up right after what you just said. You're on. Go. Yes, London is so multicultural. It's just wonderful. We have Christians from Ghana. We have Christians from different parts of Europe. And, you know, it's just, it's amazing the way that the body of Christ, you see it coming together. And it is, you know, this taste of heaven. Um, in our church building, we're able to share it. In the afternoons, we have an amazing Iranian congregation. We have about 300 of them who come and worship in Farsi. And then in the evening, we have a Romanian uh, group of Christians who come to worship. So it's a real privilege to have, you know, people from so many different places worshiping together. But yet there is a real need for a revival for people to to know Jesus and his transforming love. Amy, uh, in that first segment, you uh, mentioned the Holy Spirit a number of times. Uh, Can you teach uh, us and explain in more depth uh, where the Holy Spirit fits into our spiritual walk? Mm, Well, I can give it a stab. Um, (laughs) I love it. It's a mystery in one sense, isn't it? But I do love to think about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is, you know, it's it's His presence, and Jesus says in John 14 that He will send the Advocate. He will send the Holy Spirit to be in His friends after He dies. And it's good that He dies, because He will send the Holy Spirit to be with us. So, you know, the Spirit is the indwelling presence of Christ in our lives, which is a huge, massive mystery, but it's why we can produce produce the fruit of the Spirit. It's why we can love those who are unlike us. So I don't know. What do you think about the Holy Spirit, Pat? I'd love to hear from you, too. Well, <laughs> I wish I had been more alert to this when I came to Christ 50-some <laughs> years ago. But the, but the minute we accept Jesus and invite him into our heart, uh, the Holy Spirit comes into our life uh, to stay there, to, ne- to never leave. Uh, he'll be with us, uh, ushering us into heaven. And uh, what I've learned, a- Amy, is uh, we, can, we can call on the Holy Spirit when we need wisdom. Uh, we can call on him when we don't, don't know exactly the words we should be saying. Uh, he prompts us. Uh, it's actually Jesus living within us, uh, but this Holy Spirit is Jesus within. So we've got this tremendous power within us, and uh, so often we don't even realize we've got that power. Uh, Amen. The other thing that I've I, learned, yeah. Amy, is this. Uh, Satan and his little demons, they, they never stop attacking us, and and generally, almost always, in our brains. And and these mm. these thoughts keep coming into our mind, and I, I, I remember, I, I think, where did that come from? I mean, I was yeah. cruising along here having a nice day, and all of a sudden, you know, things from my past are bombing. Well, that's, that's these fiery darts. Uh, Satan has his little minions out there, and they love to shoot these things into our brain. But I've learned that the Holy Spirit can wipe them out and can clean them out. And, and, <laughs> Amen. and so it's important when, when those thoughts hit that shouldn't be there, uh, Holy Spirit, would you please just eradicate that? Or Holy Spirit, stand guard and, and shoot down those thoughts before they even get into my head. Uh, and, and it's amazing what I've learned that when you ask the Holy Spirit to clean your head out and get those thoughts out of your brain that shouldn't be there. He, he does it every time, and quick, and, and he does it quickly. Uh, he does. That's, that has really been left a deep impact on me here of late. So uh, we, we have a force within us that, uh, you know, that is powerful, and we, we need to use it. We need to take advantage of it. 
Does that make sense? I could not. It makes complete sense. I could not agree more. I I love what you say, and you know, it makes me think of Ephesians six, doesn't it? The the armor of God that God gives us. We take that shield of faith and we put on the breastplate of righteousness. And God is so much bigger than Satan and his evil, his evil demons. And just like you say, we we call on the Lord and He sends the Holy Spirit. And he does. He takes residence in us. He dwells within us. So I love how you explained it. Thank you so much. Well, and and let me say this, Amy, those little fiery darts, they never end. They never stop. Uh, Satan is persistent, and he knows uh, what to bomb us with. You know, and it's usually things from the past uh, that, uh, that we may not have been proud of or uh, that were uh, negative, and boy, he loves to just bomb us with them. And uh, but the Holy Spirit can wipe them out and clean them out. And uh, if we're if we're ha- if we're having a a, 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 a Satan free day in our heads, well, I think Satan is uh, shooting them down before they even get into our heads. And so yeah. we can always ask him to do that. Amy, seven ways to pray. Uh, that book. Yeah. Can can you give us a quick synopsis on that? Definitely. It was my joy to write that just a couple of years ago, and it is seven different ways to pray, not the seven ways to pray, but um, so the first two chapters are praying with the Bible and praying through the Bible. So different imaginative ways to get Scripture into your mind and into your heart. And then the next one is practicing the presence of God. Exactly, Pat, what you've been saying, how Christ dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. We put our hand on our heart and we remind ourselves that Christ lives within us. Um, The next chapter is all about hearing God. God delights to speak to his children. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. So how do we discern when God is speaking and when it's, you know, quote unquote, just us? The next chapter is lament. How can we pour out our disappointment, our woes, um, all of our sadness to God? We look at the the book of Lamentations, and we look at the Psalms. The Psalms are rich with lament. And then the last two chapters are um, gospel imaginative prayers, so putting ourselves into the, the story of Scripture imaginatively. And then the last chapter is something called the examine, where we're looking back over our life with the help of the Holy Spirit to move forward with God. So there's seven ways to, to pray that have been around for many, many years to really, I hope, encourage people. And again, I'm kind of a broken record into encounter God. Amy, uh, if I came to visit London, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I would like a, a spiritual tour of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. G. Campbell Morgan, C.S. Lewis, a William yes. William Wilberforce, etc. It's uh, I've missed a few. Yeah. Uh, is is that kind of a tour available? Um, I think you'd probably have to put it together yourself. But in all those places, there are wonderful churches to explore. You know. The one for William Wilberforce down in Clapham, South London. Uh, there are some amazing things out in Oxford to go to the Kilns where C.S. Lewis lived. Um, so there are definitely places to explore. John Bunyan, it's such a rich heritage. So, yeah, come on over and we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll put you in charge of finding all those plays. And then the, then the writer, the author of, uh, of Amazing Grace. Uh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Uh, we, we, we need to we need to go check him out as well. So definitely that that that's marvelous. That all right. Okay, in, let's do it, Amy. In closing, uh, give me a quick wrap up on your book, Transforming Love, and uh, the last thought you want our listeners to have uh, on on this topic. Fire away. Well. Okay, know that Jesus loves you and wants to be your friend, and when you are his friend, he will change you to be more more like him, which will be more like yourself. So embrace the love of Jesus. Amy Boucher 
Pye has been our guest. The book, Transforming Love, How Friendship with Jesus Changes Us. Uh, my latest book is out, by the way. It's called Who Coached the Coaches? Uh, I interviewed hundreds of coaches and asked them one question. Who was the key person in you becoming a coach? And uh, the book is exactly what they told me. Uh, who who was the key person in uh, this coach legend in many cases? How, how he got started and who was the key person that influenced him? My friends, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, we're back next weekend for more right here on AM 990. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando, Florida. You have a wonderful, God-filled week ahead. And we'll be back next weekend uh, with some more interesting guests. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs>